Monday, they will talk about Freud and why he didn't have enough cocaine to kill a small horse. I want to be in that class. That sounds like an interesting class. I need to know now why Freud didn't have enough cocaine to kill a small horse. Because his id made him take more. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know Freud, that joke's completely gone over there. <laughs> For anyone who does. <laughs> Finale. I am your host, Ankit Nadira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to make my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. I'm not on this quest alone. Once again, I am joined by my friend who is also an actor, a dancer, a singer, Dame Christie. Dame, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Wonderful. As you can tell, viewers and listeners, a lot has changed for us based on our clothing attire. We have a new chest set. We now have a chest set. That, that's all we have to say about that. We now have a chest set. Uh, yeah. Uh, how's life going in the? Uh, what is it? Uh, it's been about. It's been about a half hour because we took a we took a little walk and then we had a couple of technical things that we had to sort out. But how how's life been in the last half hour, Dave? Eh? We had some interesting conversations about some plays, about some other movies. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. I had a little. I had a little wander. Wonderful <laughs> break of the session. But yeah, that's a good time. <laughs> We're back at it. We are continuing to talk about Goodwill Hunting, but before we get into the movie, now, last time I asked you, how did you watch the movie? Like, when did you first see it? All of that. Because you're an actor, and again, not saying that anyone in this film didn't do a good job. Yeah. But if you could play one of the characters in this film, who would you want to play? And why? Ooh, the obvious one would have to be Will. Sure. Because, and it, it's, it's nothing to do with the fact that he's a main character. It's um, as an actor, and I, I was speaking about this before, um, as an actor, I love playing characters that link to me slightly. Not that I've got any big rap sheet or anything <laughs> like that. But like, nah, Dave's actually been in and out of the UK prison system <laughs> since he was three. <laughs> And if my agent is watching, that's not true. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I, I came from a pretty working class background, um, so that I kind of linked to that and like being able to go off and do something that you want to do that you may have limitations, be that financially or it's not something that really is done from your cultural standpoint. Because mm -hmm. um, like, like mine's a rugby town, so like being like, I want to do acting, I want to do music is not the biggest opinion like fair um, so I linked that and that character quite a lot and I just just to be play that wide range of emotions is so cool nice I mean I say all the math stuff and probably have no idea what it means but I mean most hey, actors that do it don't yeah uh, look I remember Kanal Nair was on an interview somewhere I don't remember which one but someone asked him about the Big Bang Theory, and he was like, <laughs> I know nothing! Like, people give me words and I say them! Like, yeah, I don't know what I remember the elements of the periodic table, though. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he did do that. What about you? Have you from what, obviously you've not seen the entire film yet. From what I've seen, again, Will is 
the obvious answer. I'm obviously not old enough, nor do I look old enough to play any of the professors or, mm -hmm. like, Robin Williams. But I think the character that I would probably have the most fun with is Morgan. Yeah. Because he's not... Again, he isn't a main character. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think Will, for all the valid reasons that you put in, but I think I would have the most fun with Morgan because, again, like, I really like comedy, and I really like doing comedy, and, like, yeah. that is one of my strengths is just being silly because I don't take myself seriously. Look, I'm legitimately starting to create a brand of, on the internet, I just know nothing. <laughs> Is I've, I've just accepted the fact that I know nothing and I'm like, we're here. Yeah. So, like, I feel like that, but also with what I have seen so far, he seems like a legitimately good friend. Yeah, that I, like, he is. I think that entire group are. Yeah, and I... And I'm hoping, again, I haven't seen the second half of the film, so I don't know how things might change, but I think that the friends are going to probably have a bit more to do in the second half of this film. At least that is my thought, is that they're going to have a bit more to do in the second half of this film. Um, and we'll get into that, of why I think that, a yeah. bit later. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would do Morgan just because I like his energy, I like his vibe. Again, I just feel for the guy. See, I'm one of those that's like, I think, I think you might be the opposite of me, because you said you're naturally a comp, like, you like yeah. contacting. And I feel like... You do you have it where so I'm the opposite. I I like doing the non-comic stuff, mm -hmm. but when you do the opposite, it's like for you it's the serious stuff. For me, it's cool. You find yourself actually still being quite good at that and not thinking that you would be. I will say I love playing villains, and like nothing better than that. Oh no! So I mean, I got to play kind of two villains. So I definitely played one villain while I was in drama school. Mm. Um, and it was in a pantomime, and I played Dun a goblin, and that's when I met Steven and everything. Listeners at this point, most of you probably know who Steven is. If not, he is also helping run Co-op Forge, and he's currently behind the cameras and doing stuff. So, yeah, shout out to Steven. He's great. Anyway, so, but I did that one where my character gets turned into a villain, and then ends up not being a villain and a, is a good guy, but like is a villain for like most yeah, of the yeah. show. And then I got to play another one where I played the role of a husband, where I wasn't a villain per se, but it was, it's this weird thing where I love playing characters where you get to say messed up things. 100%. 100%. I know as Unkip, I should never say this. But there is something so satisfying about getting to say that stuff. Mm. And just when you're in the moment and really feeling it. Like, honestly, one of my favorite things... Yeah, I can be cheered by stage. But, like, one of my favorite things is when I walk out of a theater and if I see friends or family and they turn to me and they're like, I wanted to punch you while you were on yeah. stage for what you were saying. I was like, yes, I've done my job. Here we go. Mm -hmm. And I love doing that. So... Yeah, but I definitely feel like I'm sillier most of the times than I am serious. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Good shot, though. Good shot. It's a good little hunting. That's what we're here to talk about. Um, now that we've talked all about our lives. Um, now, at the end of the last episode, I did forget to kind of give you a prediction of what I think is happening. Mm -hmm. And I did leave on a big cliffhanger of... 
you know, we are just told by Lambo that his college roommate is the only one that might be able to get through to Will. And that's kind of what we've left on. So here is my prediction of what I think is going to happen. Obviously, I've put together at this point that Robin Williams' character is going to be the college roommate. Yeah. We're half an hour into the film. We need to figure out who he is. Um, he needs to be introduced. And so I know that he's going to be that therapist. I My prediction is that from the beginning, it's not going to go well. It's going to be rough. Mm -hmm. But unlike the other therapists, Robin Williams' character is going to see something in him that reminds him of himself. Yeah, I think that's a fairly yeah pre pretty accurate. So it so it reminds Richard. him of himself, and that's why he doesn't want to give up on this kid. Yeah, and he doesn't want to give up on Will. We see a lot more, so I think, like, you know, we're going to see a lot more of that relationship being built. That's probably kind of like the next act. Like, this first act of this film, this first half hour of the film, has pretty much been the setup. And you needed that setup. We need yeah. to know who Will is, everything about him. Like, we need to know about his life and before we can introduce any type of change. We've now established that. I think the next thing is that it's the start of change. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a mixture of Robin Williams' character and Skyler. I think it's going to be the mix of the two of them start to change Will for the better, where he's not as cocky. Like, he's still incredibly smart. Oh, yeah, there's no taking away from that. There's no taking away from that. But it's just so that he's not cocky and not, you know, just mean to other people. Hmm. Right, and not mean and doesn't put down other people just for not being intelligent. Like, I kind of feel like he's using intelligence right now as a crutch. Yeah, it's definitely something. Like, it's, 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 it's intelligence and physical ability that he's using to masquerade behind. Like, he's, he's hiding behind that and using that as, like you said, as a, as a crutch and as a way to shrug off everything that is actually getting to him, I think. Exactly. So, I think. We're going to see him open up, but I think that what's going to happen is that at some point, the opening up is going to piss off the glasses professor. That's what I've named him, because he's Lambo's lackey. He, I don't think he ever gets a name, so I've just named him the glasses professor. <laughs> um, so I think it's going to rub him the wrong way at some point. Like I think he's going to be on board for the majority and then it's gonna rub him the wrong way. He's probably going to do something to lash out, try to mess up Will's trajectory of becoming a better person. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's going to be an immense struggle. So Will goes through an immense struggle um, about a three quarters of the way through the film, is my guess. He's going through some immense struggle, more than like what we're probably going to see in him opening up. Like that's yeah, going to be yeah. a big struggle as well, but like some other type of struggle that I don't know what that's going to be, but some type of big struggle. But he's going to use the lessons that he learned from his friends, which is why I think the friends are going to have a bigger part, is because I think that it might potentially be um, his friends and the lessons from so it's a mixture of what he's learned from them and a mixture of what he's learned from the Robin Williams character. Yeah. Is going to then make him like 
a good person at the end or like you know achieve and then he will get recognized and win some type of award at the end of the movie for being just an incredibly smart human being and good at math i well cause I, I, okay, I don't want to say anything about spoiling because i don't want to take away from that i appreciate the, it the, um, film. i think there's some very good predictions i think there's some very poor predictions there's some very poor predictions. <laughs> i think you are going to okay so all I'll say about the ending, without trying to give anything away, sure. is it's a brilliant ending, don't get me wrong, like, it's the perfect ending to this film. It's very bordering on the cliche ending. Okay. A little bit. Um, but take, take from that what you will. Fair. I mean, here's the thing, and we were talking about this off screen, I'm Still, other than Will getting better, mm -hmm. I'm still confused as to what the plot is. Like, is the whole plot just Will needs to get better? Um, so... I, With as much as you can say, because I do yeah, recognize that, like, wanna... being the guest for the first half of the film is significantly harder than being the guest for the second half of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say the... With the plot of this film is... It is following a kind of young man's like journey and struggle through getting like it is a it's getting over your past to go and achieve your future but the other part of the film is it is a love story in a sense a self-love story i think it's both a self-love i think it's, i think it, it, it's a self-love story and then learning to love yourself and then going after to try and love other people yeah and we get more into that yeah but yeah and that that's that's where I was saying that it lies a little bit on the ending for a little bit of a cliche ending. Sure. Oh, I just assumed that... Oh, I didn't say this, but I assumed that Will and Skylar end up together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just... That was like, that's a given. Oh. But, um, it, yeah, it's very much kind of what you have to give up to get something else. Okay. Like, you can't have everything. What parts do you give up and sacrifice to go after the other one and which one's more important? I don't know. Like, kind of, do you choose love and the people around you, or do you choose your career? And it's that, it's, it, it kind of turns into that balancing act at the end. Fair, I kind of figured, but, you yeah. know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because, uh, yeah, I don't know how we get to kind of the end. But yeah. So, we're at Bunker Hill Community College, and I was like, ah, look, Robin Williams. Welcome. Rest in peace. I love him. Uh, wonderful, brilliant, brilliant actor. I've never seen anything that I've disliked of Robin Williams, yeah. including him making fun of Elmo. That bit is hilarious. Have you seen that? Bit? I've seen that clip. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. it's been rotating around social media a lot recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Where he just takes away the stick. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of them that's like, and this is what again why I love him in this film is when you think of Robin Williams, like, well, like probably people in my in like my parents' generation. Mm -hmm. will Obviously, first thing him as a stand-up comedian because that's what he was before he right. went into into films, um, and people think of him. He's the comedy. He makes people laugh. Like that's his. But he also has such a, a series of films where he's very not kind of like that. So like this film. Um, this I can name three films that I think. So this one is it called Good Morning Vietnam? That's yeah. That borders on the comedy stuff as well, though. I, again, I haven't seen that film. I just know that it's about the Vietnam War and he's yeah. doing like radio um, stuff. There's the other one that um, there's two where he plays doctors. So there's Patrick Adams, 
And there's another one where he plays doctors, a doctor, which is based on a true story. I can't remember <coughs> the name of it. And then there's um, what's the film where he play? Oh, I can't. What remember. does he do in the film? I had it in my head, and then I started talking. Oh, it's gone. It's one of those beautiful moments. Yeah, I like, love those. Complete brain for. Hold on, the peanut gallery might have an answer. Hey, peanut gallery, you got an answer over there? Angry Hispanic Brooklyn. No, that's not the one I'm thinking uh, of. Uh, for listeners, if you didn't hear that, it was Angriest Men in Brooklyn from Stephen, our lovely camera operator currently. Um, that was not what Dane's thinking of. So this is um, going to pester Dead Poet Society. Oh yeah, that's the other one. That's the other one. I've heard of that. Like... I was technically part of a Dead Poet Society club in high school for, I think, a week. Okay, so we've got Dead Poet Society, you play the tuba, you play Ultimate Frisbee. And tennis. Get a real picture of what your like college life was like. Oh no no no! Dead Poet Society was high school, and I was only a member for a week because I think they needed me to sign up on the sheet and show up to one meeting just so that they could be a legitimate club. And it was one of my friends that was starting up the club, so I helped out. I showed up to like one meeting, and then I just wasn't. I wasn't free. Like I just yeah. I couldn't do it. Like I and I told them that, and I was like, hey, like I don't mind if my name's on the sheet, but like just know that like I can't really show yeah, up to yeah. meetings. They were chill with it, so like I, I'm pretty sure that's why I was technically a member, but like I never showed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, my my uni life was a lot of music and theater. By the end of it, hmm. to the point where I technically have a marketing degree. You have a marketing degree. Yeah. You've known me for how long now? About two years. Yeah. Yeah, something like that, and um, yeah. So I have a marketing degree. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and. It got to a point where I was in my senior year marketing classes mm -hmm. and my marketing professors would just ask me questions about the theater department and the music department and like what shows am I working on, what am I doing, all of that. Like they knew that I was like going off and like auditioning for grad school and everything like that. Yeah. And then, you know, someone, they would just be like, yeah, like, you know, that's really cool that you're a theater major. And I'm like, I'm not. And like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm a marketing major. And they're like, no, you're not. And I'm like you've set the prereq for this class that I have to be a marketing major to take this class. <laughs> I'm a marketing major. <laughs> but like, that was my uni experience where no one believed that I didn't study yeah, I what I say, actually studied. No, no, no one who's done theater either, like in, in the spectrum of Hitler's gone, do you know what? Do you know what I really want to do when I'm not in theater? I want to go sit in a marketing class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Junior <laughs> was fun. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't trade the four years that I had in Portland for anything. I mean, you're in a brilliant place. Portland's beautiful. I love Portland. I miss Portland. It's up there on where I want. That's the only place in the states I actually want to visit. Go to you. If you're going to Portland, you might as well just go north, go up to Seattle. Yeah, I'm not. But if I ever go to the states, I'm gonna do that. My recommendation: go in the summer. Okay. Between July fourth and about like the beginning of September. Cause yeah, don't you get like a lot of snow? No. No? So the weather's pretty much the same as London. Oh, okay. Just less windy because we're not on an island. Makes sense. Makes sense. That's it. Otherwise, the weather's pretty much the same. The sun still goes down at like 4 or 5 p.m. in the wintertime. Um, it's gray, it's cold, it's cloudy. Oh, yeah, because isn't like Seattle like, like the city of rain or something like that? It's technically called the Emerald City. Is it? Yeah. I don't know how it got emerald. <laughs> You know. I don't know. So we have proceeded.
wanted to talk for about, I think, like, 10 to 15 minutes and not actually discuss this film. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we should discuss this film. 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> 20 minutes and we haven't discussed this film. Here we go. So You can tell I've got a lot more comfortable in this thing now. <laughs> you now know what we're doing. <laughs> so, Robin Williams, and he is saying that trust is very important in a relationship and very important in clinical situations. Ask why trust, he asks why trust is important in a breakthrough with a client. Vinny answers that with trust is life. And he's just like, oh, very, very deep, Vinny, but no. <laughs> That's not the answer he was looking for, but it was a valid answer. Yeah. I respect that he didn't shut him down. He just said, it's not the answer I was looking for, or something along those lines. Yeah. But like, still respected his answer. But here's the answer. If they don't trust you, you'll never get them to sleep with you. That should be the goal of any good therapist. Nail them while they're vulnerable. That's my motto. <laughs> Fantastic. Lovely introduction. <laughs> um, interesting way to get this point across. Yeah. But also a valid point. Yeah, I completely agree. Also a valid point. Like, a very interesting way, but like, I understand what his thought process is. Yeah. He's not saying go sleep with them. He's just saying you have to gain that level of trust with your client if you want to help them actually make a change. Yeah, because like, and I can understand in, that in, in any in any exchange like that is an honest exchange. There's a level of inter intimacy, and obviously it's not necessarily that you want to sleep with the person. It's just but there has to be that level of like that level of intimacy. Like you have to feel that comfortable. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna make a you know phenomenal breakthrough mm -hmm. or something like that. So, like, I got it just an interesting way, but also, like, hey, it's a good way to get your point across, because I'm not going to forget that. Mm -hmm. I've watched this film once. And to be fair, in a film where, like, this is one scene and you want to move on quickly to the next, it's like, cool, how can I sum this up in one line? It's quite hard hitting, and, like, we'll make you laugh, but make you, like you said, it'll make you think of it. Yeah, it'll make you think of it. That's a, a brilliant one-line way of doing it. It's great. So, Sean then introduces, by the way, uh, Robin Williams' character is named Sean, if that wasn't clear. Um, Sean introduces Gary Lambeau. First time you learned that his name is Gary. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Subtitles, for telling me that he spells Gary uh, the different way. G-E-R-R-Y. G-E-R-R-Y. Yeah. Jerry. But he pronounced it Gary. That's so weird. I agree. Is that not just like a subtitle mistake? I don't know. I don't think so. Huh? Th th this is what the subtitles have told me. Fair enough. Hey, if anyone has a problem with this, blame Netflix subtitles in Canada. <laughs> 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 so, he introduces him, says, does anyone know what a Fields Medal is? Because apparently Lambeau has won a Fields Medal. It's like a Nobel Prize for math, but it's only given out once every four years. So is it just like more prized than a Nobel Prize? Because they have a Nobel Prize in mathematics. I think it's like... Because it, it seems to do... Like, it's trying to get to the, a society. Sure. Like, I think it's, I think the thing with academics is, like, you need to, like... With certain academics, especially in this film, like, in other films you see it as well, it's like... They're always after trying to get into some exclusive club. I never felt like Lambo was trying to get into anything, though. It just felt like he just wanted to be the one to help make the change. And make the next big breakthrough or something. See, I get the opposite of him. I think he's, I, I think he's only really out for himself. I mm -hmm. think it, it feels like to me his character is like, 
I've found this person, I'm going to claim credit for finding this person, and I'm going to be loved for doing that. Like, I get a weird vibe. I don't get that, the he's out to help him vibe. I definitely, because I have seen, obviously, a bit more, I feel like Sean is more out to help Will than Lambo is out to help Will. Yeah. But I definitely feel like Lambo has a little sense of, I gotta help out this kid, because I can't let his genius fade. Yeah, I think he's trying to, I think it's two, like, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. They're both trying to help him, but I think Gary's trying to help him in the fact that, in an academic way. And, and Sean's trying Sean's to help trying him to, in just yeah, life. Yeah, in an emotional, like, an, like, an emotional, emotional way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One's academic, one's emotional, but they're both just trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Monday, they will talk about Freud and why he didn't have enough cocaine to kill a small horse. <laughs> I want to be in that class. That sounds like an interesting class. <laughs> I need to know now why Freud didn't have enough cocaine to kill a small horse. Because his id made him take more. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know Freud, that joke's completely gone over there. <laughs> For anyone who does, home run. <laughs> So, <laughs> we're out <laughs> in <into. laughs> I can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're here. Okay. So, Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime, you know, <laughs> next year when you're back in London. <laughs> 100%. We'll find another film that I haven't watched, because let's be honest, there, there's a list. It's a long list. I need to see this after we finish this. I'll show you the list after we finish recording. <laughs> It's a very long list. So, we're out at dinner. Lambo says to Sean that, you know, you were missed at the reunion. That's when I kind of clocked, like, okay, like, you know, Sean must have also gone to MIT, but studied philosophy at MIT? Yeah, this school is starting to have a lot of random, like... I mean, look, MIT is a university, so obviously they are going to provide... So was it, was it not a college reunion that they were having? Because, or is... Is college the equivalent? Like, is MIT a college? College and university are pretty much the same thing in the U.S. There isn't really much of a differentiation. Okay. They're both four-year things. Um, if I remember my understanding correctly, when I was applying, because I had this question as well, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, it's that universities can issue PhDs, colleges cannot. Okay. I think that's the distinction. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the distinction. Stevens over there yeah, waving his head, saying no. Um, oh, I thought that's what it was. That looked like a no. So um, yeah, I don't know either. Apparently, I'm wrong. I thought I was smart. You were so close. Hey, apparently I was that far away, ladies and gentlemen. That far away. Um, look, I like I said, I'm building a brand. I'm not knowing anything. Here we go. We're just, Toss this under the fire. <laughs> so, it has been years since our friends have seen each other. Uh, years before Nancy died, and Nancy was Sean's wife. Lambo starts to apologize for not being there, and Sean's like, no, it's okay, like, I get it. Like, Lambo's trying to say, like, I had this conference, I was in Paris, like, I wanted to get away. I could... Sean, Sean understands, like, Sean understands his friend, and he's like, no, it's okay, like, I got your card, it was nice, like, yeah. you know, I understand, like, you had, that was your life, you couldn't leave it. Yeah, but I think this scene as well sets up the friendship, because mm -hmm. it's like, 
Okay, cool. You you knew that your friend's wife died, and you were now only coming to him after. Did you say twelve years? Yeah. Like uh, he just said many. Years. Yeah. After many after many years, and it's just like you're only coming to him because you want something. Exactly. So I think that sets up. Whereas like, like it's it's a different thing. Like, yeah, I, I totally get that. It's a different thing, because, I mean, like, look, we're actors. You're about to leave the country, as you were saying at the end of the last episode. You're about to leave this country for about a year. Or at least London for about a year. Yeah. So it's like, if, if things happen in our lives, and, like, you hear about it, like, you might shoot us a message or something. Yeah. But then, like, you you can't stop your life in Cyprus in, say, April or something and fly back if you can't. Like, some things you might have to, but, you know, hopefully not. Yeah. But, again, it's that thing of, like, you know, he's only coming to him, like you were saying, because he wants something. It's a different thing if it's like, hey, I was at this conference, I couldn't get away. Mm-hmm. But then when he got back into town, he went and just saw his friend. Yeah. Like, that. that's a different thing. But, yeah, that's a very good point of setting up their friendship. Yeah. So, we're now away from dinner, and we're at a giant inflatable park with the boys. <laughs> Um, Morgan and the other one are wrestling. As you did. And look, honestly, it's giant inflatables. I'd be surprised if they weren't wrestling. Valid point. <laughs> um, they're very fun. <laughs> they're a good time. Yeah, I think it, that's one thing. There's certain things as you get older, it's like, that's still fun. That's still fun. That's still giant fun. inflatables, still fun. Trampolines, still fun. Ball pits, still fun. <laughs> <laughs> Warp it's one of them. It's very weird if you go in as an adult and you're not in a place where other adults are in it. <laughs> but no, it's like it's like, well, it's like like there's a what is it like it's Shoreditch called a, is like volleyball. Yeah, it? there's volleyball or something. I've, I've never been, but everyone loves it because it's, it, really it's a fun. massive like because everyone, no matter how old you get, you're still a big kid. Yeah, and like it's a lot more fun to be a big kid. Yeah, and always be serious. Yeah. And, and I think, but also, again, it's another thing of showing how <coughs> these characters are a band of brothers. Yeah. I mean, like. They've been through thick and thin together. Yeah. They're not, you know, despite Will being tossed around foster home to foster home, they've stuck together. Mm. Like, these guys are tight. Like, they are brothers. Yeah. They're not blood related, but they're. Yeah, because really, it's past, like, these, these uh, guys are probably the closest he's had to found, like, a stable family. Yeah, definitely. So, they're. They're wrestling, and Chuck asks what happened in terms of his, uh, you know, probation and everything, or, um, with his trial, and Will reveals probation with counseling two days a week. Yeah. So, okay, that's what it is. And then, we cut back, and Sean is saying that he has a very busy schedule, and it's a full schedule, but Lambo's, like, insisting. He's like, look, this boy's amazing, but, like, he needs the help, like, you know. And I, again, this is where I feel like what we were saying earlier, you see the academic help and you see the emotional help a bit later, but I think this is one of those moments where, like, Lambo understood that, like, he needed the emotional help. Yeah. And without the emotional help, everything was just going to go down the drain, and that Sean was the only person that could help him. Yeah. So, like, that's where I give Lambo a bit of credit of, like, even though Sean was saying, I have a very busy schedule or whatever... He wasn't willing to take no for an answer. Yes, because he wanted something out of it as well. But also at the same time because he understood that like Will needed. Oh yeah, Sean. Like, like, it was one of them. Like, he, he said he's clearly helped him, and he's done. He's doing everything he can to help him. I think it's just one of them that his. Um, I don't. I think he's got an idea that it's going to lead him down a certain path, like lead Will down a certain path, and I think 
his expectation of what he's going to get out of it is completely different to what he ends up actually getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is something that Lambert doesn't see occurring, which but does. Yeah. So, Sean asks Lambo what makes him so incredible. Like, why, why this kid? Why is he important? And Lambo asks Sean if he has heard of Ramanujan. And Sean's like, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that a lot. Because, like, the number of times that you just want to be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't. I really don't. But I felt happy. Because I finally knew something. Because I have heard of this man. I haven't. I have. So, he... I mean, he's explained, obviously. And I'll, I'll do the explanation, and then I'll explain why I've heard of him. So, he was an Indian man who lived somewhere in a tiny hut in India. No formal education or access to scientific work. And from a simple math textbook, he could extrapolate theories that had baffled mathematicians for years. He then mailed his findings to Hardy at Cambridge, who recognized his genius of his work, brought him over to England, and then they worked together for years creating the most exciting theories. Did they make a film on that? Yep, that's why I know about this guy. But, yeah, okay, now I know who you mean, because I've not seen the film, but I've seen like clips of the film. Yeah, so the film is called The Man Who Knew Infinity. Mm-hmm. And Ramanujan is played by Dev Patel. So, the only reason that I know him is because I've seen that film. Yeah, also a brilliant actor. Great actor. Um, it's very fun when people look at my hair and they're like, Oh, you look like a little Dev Patel. And I'm like, could I get the same roles as him? Or like, that level of roles? Like, I would love to do some of his filmography. Like, that's fantastic. Some of his filmography, I would like to stay away from. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, the Shyamalan movie doesn't exist. <laughs> For anyone who gets that, thank you. For anyone who doesn't get that, we move. <laughs> so, we... Yeah, that, that's the only reason that I know who this guy is, but I was just really happy that, like... You know, I had heard of something, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, I know something, let's go. Um, but also at the same time, they had a joke in there, which made me laugh, because he said Indian, and then he goes, dot, not feathers. <laughs> and it's a very messed up joke. It's a very messed up joke. But a funny one. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> Dave's just like, I choose peace. Um, no, the reason that I said that is because, again, for me growing up, I understand that culture and growing up in America, right? Yeah. And it always bothered me that they were called Indians. They should have been called Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. The only reason that that happened is because Columbus was Columbus. Is that, is that the only reason? Pretty much. Is because he thought he was sailing to India when he got there. They had the same pigmentation of people in India, so he just assumed he was in India. And that's where... That's where Indians came from, pretty much. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was just Columbus thought he made it to India. So he just called Native Americans Indians and then it just stuck. He actually called Caribbeans Indians. Because he actually never made it to North America, uh, the continent itself, he made it to the Caribbean islands. He never made it to what is now Mexico, the US, or Canada. So you just made it to the Caribbean? He made it to the Caribbean. Wow. Yeah. 
But that's why they were called Indians, is just because Columbus thought he made it to India and then called them Indians because they had the same pigmentation as Indians. That's so crazy. So, like, I understand, like, how that joke made it into the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why, like, yeah, it's funny, but also called them Native Americans because that is what they are. They are Native Americans. Mm -hmm. They're, like, you know, called them by what they are. They are the original people who lived in that land. Yeah. So, like, that's why I find the joke funny, is just because I know the history behind it, and also I'm from one of the cultures. Yeah, because I, I, like, that's, that's why, I, like, when you said that joke, I was like, I completely forgot about that joke, because I think it just went way over my head. <laughs> because I didn't know, I, didn't, I had never made no link to that. Fair, fair. So, Will is apparently just like Ramanujan, but he is defensive and needs someone like Sean to help get through to him. Sean asks him why, and... Lambo says, you have the same background. You grew up in the same neighborhood. Southie. Uh, turns out this is just the nickname for uh, South Boston. Cool. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I've technically been to Boston. Nice. And the reason I say technically is that I looked at my dad and I was like, hey, can we go to Boston? Because I, I like history. And yeah. I wanted to see, I know that there's not necessarily a lot to do in Boston, but I wanted to see a, some of the historical stuff. And my dad was like, well, you've been to Boston. And I was like, okay, it doesn't count if I don't remember it. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> so, I've technically been to Boston. Don't remember it. <laughs> no, I've never been to the States. So, yeah. They've apparently gone through five shrinks already, and Lambo just asked Sean to meet him once a week. And then, it's like, okay. So, we're now meeting Will. Will is about to meet Sean. And Lambo explains that it's a poker game with Will. Don't let him read what you've got, and he's probably read your book if he could find it. And Sean says, well, that would be hard for him to find. Why? Why, Sean? Why is your book not more well-read? You deserve better, Sean. Yeah, but I think I... Because I, I... Isn't he, like, a professor at a community college or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so obviously I don't... He's clearly not doing very well. Or, like... Not very well, but I mean, like... He's doing what he wants to do. Yeah, like, because I think with him a lot... He said that he's, he's happy doing... Yeah, he's happy with his life. Yeah, and I, but it's like... I just, I just love this relationship as well. It's really good. So, let's get into it. So, Sean McGuire meet Will Hunting. And this is where I got really mad. Are you f***ing kidding me? His last name is Hunting. That's where we get the name of the film? But it's a double entendre. So it's good, it's good Will Hunting, as in the character Will Hunting, and it's good Will Hunting. No, no, I don't like it. I don't like it. It pisses me off. I expected Very. guns. I expected hunting. <laughs> first 15 minutes of the film. It's fancy. <laughs> I thought it would be. <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad I had to pause the film and leave the room and then come back. I can't believe it made you that mad. I was pissed. <laughs> Or didn't put it together. I was more mad at myself for not putting it together. And now you know. Yeah. So anyway, Will sits down and, you know, he's like, alright, let's get to this. You can hear the enthusiasm in his voice. And Sean asks the professors to leave so that it's just Will and Sean. I think a very smart move. Sean asks where in Southie Will is from. Will likes what he has done with the place. And Sean asks if Will likes the books. Yes, he does. He asks if he has read any of them. And 
Will's like, oh, I might have, probably not. And Sean asks, you know, what did you think about the ones that he did read? Because apparently there are some on the top shelf that you did read. And Will says, well, I'm not here for a book report. They're your books. Why don't you read them? Sean has. He had to. It took him a while. Fair. Will gets up, reads the titles. You have United States of America, A Complete History, Volume 1. Will then notices a picture of four men, all in the same uniform. And then Will proceeds to just on the book and be like, hey, if you want to read a real history book, read Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States. But... Apparently Steven loves that because we just got a big cheer from the peanut gallery behind the cameras. Well done to that book, apparently. And then Sean claps back with, well, is it better than Chomsky's Manufacturing Constant? I don't know any of these books. I have no idea. So. It's just, it's just an intellectual back and forth. Yes. My level of intellectual... I mean, I had some intellect, but like, in terms of this, um... You have stated the names of the books. And after that, I am drawing a blank. I'm assuming they are about history. Yeah. That's what I got! And that's enough to get me by and carry on watching. <laughs> yeah, we can, we, can, we can just keep watching the scene. Will says, you people baffle me. You spend all your money on the wrong fancy books. Sean asks what the right books are. And Will says, any hair that'll blow your hair... Any book that'll blow your hair back. And... Sean's just like, I haven't got much hair left. I'm sorry. Robin Williams, you have a full head of hair and a perfectly good beard. Shut up. <laughs> I think he's just trying to be smart. I agree, but like, he, he could come up with something better. He didn't write it. Yeah, but he ad-libbed most of everything he said. Not everything. Well, no, fair. I mean, I think this- Not in this film, probably. Ooh. I don't know. Okay, we'll move. We'll move so that you don't accidentally fall into a trap, trap door and reveal things. Yeah. So, moving on. They, they start talking about working out, and Sean can bench 285 pounds. Asks what Will can bench. Will deflects, because it's definitely not 285 pounds. And he's just like, oh, did you make this painting? <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this part of this scene is... It's, it's... Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So Will stares at the painting of a man in a rowboat. He's out on the open water. And Sean's trying to ask him questions. Do you like art? Do you like sculpting? Do you like music? Do you like anything? Like anything. He's just trying to get something out of yeah. Will. Will doesn't answer. And Will just responds with, well, this painting is a real piece of shit. Sean says, tell me how you really feel. Which I loved that line. He's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then... He says, the linear and impressionistic mix makes a muddled composition, also a Winslow Homer ripoff. What concerns him, though, is the coloring. And the real of this, Sean reveals, is that it's a paint by numbers. The one thing that is great is the colors, and that, and then Will's like, you're only one step away from cutting off your ear. Little Van Gogh reference. Let's go. Hey, I love Van Gogh. But this, I think, as well, this is like, if this is... Will, and as you've seen it with the previous therapist, mm -hmm. Will's very good at finding that thing that taps on someone's nerves. Yeah. And because he doesn't want to be there, he'll just keep pressing and pressing. And I think this is the one time where, I think if you're watching it first time, you would watch it and think, okay, yeah, Himi is the smartest person in the room there. But actually, he's not because um, Robin with Sean is. He knows what he's trying to do. He knows he's trying to press on it, so he's like, okay, I'm gonna let him press on it, but I'm gonna steer him down 
this way to find out more about this kid. Yeah. And um, I think that's like that's impressive. And you actually, this is the point where you start to realise it's like, yeah, he, he really knows what he's doing here. Yeah. It's it's this point right here where I, I put together like, okay, he knows what he's doing. And it's where he brings up a phrase, Will brings up the phrase, any port in a storm. I've never heard that saying ever. Um, but anyway, it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. But this is pretty much what he says. He says, maybe it means that Sean, you know, he's in the trouble. He's in the middle of a storm. The sky's falling on your head. Waves are crashing over your little boat. Oars are about to snap. You're pi you piss your pants. You're crying for the harbor. So maybe you do just what you got to do to get out. Maybe you become a psychologist. And Sean says, bingo. Now let me just do my job. That's where I realized Sean's very good at his job. He oh, knows yeah. all the tactics that Will is trying to pull right now. But not even that is like so he's got him to say that when because um, obviously at this point he Will hasn't learned the true meaning behind that pen yet. No. And so everything that he's everything that Will's saying to Sean at the moment is not pressing any of his buttons because he has no idea. And he he thinks he does, but he doesn't. And in that like little burst that he just has there he thinks he's trying to be snappy and make a prediction on Sean when realistically he's just described himself and his own yeah. what he's going through and Sean has just hit the nail on the head and gone cool I don't know what I'm dealing with oh, you're in the middle of a storm yeah we gotta figure out how do we get you to walk yeah, it's like you've told me everything now so shut up and let's begin yeah that's it here we go and but Will doesn't want to begin Will keeps pressing on. Will says maybe he married the wrong woman. And that's where you see Sean flip. Yeah, we see this different side. You him. see the different side to him. And he's like, watch your mouth. Very stern. And I was like, well, this is definitely going to come up later. Um, it didn't come up much later. It came up in literally three seconds. <laughs> so Will says, that's it. What happened? Did she leave? Is she banging another guy? Sean proceeds to grab Will's neck. And says, if you ever disrespect my wife again, I will end you. It is... Very powerful. Oh, 100%. And it's it's one of them, it's like, I think Will, in this bit, like, you know, he finds the nerve, like I said, we said, just past, like, he finds the nerve and he presses on it and presses and presses on it. And I think in this point he gets that point where it's like, okay, cool, I've met someone there, if I do press this. like, And he's already mentioned, like, Sean's already mentioned how much he can lift. <coughs> yeah. Like, and obviously Will is not good. He's seen the photo. He's seen his ex-military. Um, Will has put together that Sean's probably able to like fight. Yeah. And this, <laughs> is also, this is also someone that he, I think, he realizes in this moment. He's like, okay, cool. You're not gonna run from me or get annoyed at me. Like, so I need to be quite careful here. Yeah. Which is, but also as well, it's like it's a language that he understands. Like, he's from the streets. Like physical and stuff like that is not something that he's not aware of, but it also gets through to him. Yeah, he does. I mean, Will leaves, Lambo walks in, asks if Sean is okay. I like how he doesn't even ask if Will is okay, he just wants to make sure that Sean is okay. And Sean just says, Thursday, 4pm, make sure that the kid is there. And I was like, okay, like, you know, he's a good guy. He, I feel like he gets the sense that he knows what the kid is going through. Mm. He knows that he can help him. And he's like, but it's going to take time. 
Like, yeah. again, it, the mental health is a huge subject, and I think it's a very important subject to talk about. And by no means am I the master of it, and I don't think anyone really is, but, like, mental health and just understanding that it's going to take time sometimes for things to get better. It's yeah. not a switch that you can, you know, you can feel terrible today and then you wake up tomorrow and it's perfectly fine or you have one conversation with one friend and it's perfectly fine. Like, yeah. that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> the only instance that I can remember that working is an episode of Modern Family. <laughs> have you ever seen that? I've seen bits. Okay, so there's, there's one episode where Mitch is trying to convince his husband, Cam, to go see a therapist. Mm. Finally gets him in. Cam then is, like, very against it, then proceeds to talk, has this beautiful monologue, like, an incredible, like, minute-and-a-half monologue, yeah. where he just goes through his whole emotional journey, and then, that, at the end, the therapist is like, that is the greatest journey I've ever seen anyone go on. I have nothing to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the only instance, yeah. and also that's a TV show, but like, yeah. in real life, like, no, it, it, it takes yeah, time, I, I it, think it, as well as it doesn't happen all right. One thing that this film depicts beautifully, that it like, it actually gets down into like, the, the details of stuff like this, and kind of like, begins to break down the walls, that it's like, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like, you can talk about this stuff. And, um... Again, like I said at the start of the last episode, when you asked me why I like love this film, it's like that's one of the main reasons. It's so good. It's so powerful. Definitely. So I'm we then ended that whole scene with a very long shot of just the painting. Mm. And I'm very intrigued on what the meaning behind this painting is. I don't know. I think I'm I'm hoping I find out. Have you not got to the bit where you I don't know. I don't know. Um, um, I don't know the meaning. It's, it's, not, it's not so much the meaning behind it. It's kind of like what the painting. Great. So here's what I know about the painting. It's a paint by numbers. Okay. That's it. That's like legitimately this scene is the only scene that I have seen that has any reference to this painting. And you've not connected the dots from that scene. From this scene? Yeah. No. His wife made the painting. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't even ruin anything. Like, no, I didn't ruin anything. I was really, do I say this? Do I, but no, his, his wife did the painting. Oh, okay. And that's why, like, that painting means so much. I'm sure. And I think, he, I think, he, I think he does call it like a, 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 a scene further on. He's just like, it is a piece of shit, but this. But it means a lot to him. Yeah. And that's that's all that matters. And yeah, I think a lot of time sentimental value has. The sentimental more. value is unbeatable. It can be. Oh, yeah. The ringiest, dingiest thing, but sentimental value sometimes trumps it. Mm. So, yeah. Cool. So, Sean's place, we see a bit of it, and he's just sitting, and he's drinking and having a think. But his place is just filled with dirty dishes, empty alcohol bottles. Just something that I thought I would throw in there, because it happened. And you see it. Anyway, Skylar and Will are out at a random corner shop, like a mom-and-pop shop. There are tons of random toys, funny glasses, all of that thing. They're pretty much on a date, they're flirting, they're having some fun. And Will then shows her a magic trick, and he and she has on a bright red nose, and so he calls it Rudolph, which I just thought was cute. Um, but the magic trick, top tier, here's what it is. It's making the caramels disappear. He goes, 
one, two, throws them behind him, and then goes three. Perfect magic. Ten out of ten. <laughs> also, props to Skylar for playing along. Yeah. Like, props to her for just being like, yeah, would you play along? But it's like, this is the first time you see that side of him. Yeah, you see the fun, quirky side of him. Yeah. Like, and it's fun. I like the fun, quirky side. I like the silly goofball side of him because yeah. we haven't seen that. But yeah. it's nice to get that breath of fresh air of he's not just this intellectual person. Yeah. He can be fun. He can enjoy moments. And I think, like, like, also, that's the person he wants to be. Yeah. And but so, this is just, you know, kind of where he's at. Yeah. And so, I also just put in here, I was like, I just feel like I would just be too awkward to do that magic trick in a store. Because, not that I wouldn't do the magic trick, right? Yeah. Like, again, I, one of my jobs is children's party entertainer. I've walked through a pub in a full clown outfit before. Like, I've lost my dignity at this point. But <laughs> most actors. Yeah, most actors have. But the reason that I would be too awkward to do that is just because then I would be like, oh no, I've made a mess in the store. <laughs> and I feel bad for the poor people that have to work in the Sick store. Line. <laughs> Sick line. But yeah, now I kind of get that. <laughs> like, I just feel bad that I've just made a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I nothing worse when you like accidentally knock someone over. Like, oh my god, it's so stressful, dude. Like, oh my, there was one day I, so I had my basket, and this was I don't even remember when this was. I just remember doing that. I think I was in Portland at the time. I just had my basket, and I was just going grocery shopping, and I turned a corner, and there was like this new setup of like something. I don't even remember what it was. But it was like a new setup of something that had never been there, and I've been going to this store for like two, three years at this point, right? And so, I just turned the corner and I walked straight into a setup. <laughs> Did it all fall down? No. I got really lucky. Only about a third of it fell. That's still a lot. It's still a lot and I felt really bad. The people that were working there were really understanding. Like, I apologized profusely. I even offered to like help them fix it and they were like, no, 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 just go on about your day. I but, smashed like, a glass bottle in a store before. Dang. Like, not but by accident, like, I was picking something up next to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the bolt fell and it shattered on the floor. Oh, like, I mean, I've, I've done that. Yeah, but I say, it's just like, do, do, do you want me to pay for it? Like, I, I can do, but, like... I, I can, do but... Do I just, like, slowly wander away? Yeah. If it wasn't me? Or there, was, there was one time, um, my friend, he was picking up a ketchup bottle. Mm -hmm. And he picked up the ketchup bottle, but then, like, and the, the glass one fell. We were sad. Because it was a waste of perfectly good ketchup. <laughs> we have rambled so much this episode. <laughs> this episode has gone off the rails. So... <laughs> anyway, where are we? Ah, oh, we're on a date. Um, well, we're not. Uh, Will is. Will's on a date. <laughs> we're sitting in my living room. <laughs> Will explains that he doesn't date much. Skylar says, I know what you've been thinking about getting- you've been thinking about getting a good night kiss, and Will responds with, well, I was hoping to get a good night lay, but I'll settle for a good night kiss. Might I say, not the worst line I've heard in a film, or in real life, probably. Yeah. For, yeah. It's not good, I've just definitely heard worse. Yeah, I feel like for, for the language you used in the film, it's, it's, it's suits. It, it fits with them. Yeah. I don't think you or I 
could pull off that line uh, in real life. Absolutely. <laughs> no. We're too silly. <laughs> so, Will and Skylar then proceed to kiss, just getting it out of the way. Um, with food in their mouths, Skylar ends up with some of his pickle. Oops. We're back in therapy. That's disgusting. Yeah, I agree. Ugh. Anyway, back in therapy. Will is surprised to see that Sean is still there. And then they leave the room, and we're at a park. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for this. All right. Whew. So we're at a park. We're sitting on a bench. And Sean explains that he thought about Will and what he said the other day about painting, and he was up half the night thinking about it. And then something occurred to him. And it, he hasn't thought of Will since. I'm going to explain all of this, and then we'll talk. It's the best. It is a beautiful, it's, beautiful scene. It's beautiful, though. Which is why I'm going to speak the scene, and then we'll yeah. dissect the scene. Because it's hard to dissect the scene without just mm -hmm. rambling. So, listeners, I'm sorry. You're about to hear my voice for probably about two yeah, minutes straight. Yeah, like, if you haven't seen the film, even if you don't want to watch the film, this clip is on YouTube. This clip is on Go YouTube. and watch this clip. It is one of the most powerful monologues that I have seen. Mm. And the filmography of it as well is done very, very well. So, yeah. But, here's what it is. What occurred to him was that Will is a kid who doesn't have the faintest idea of what he is talking about. He's never been out of Boston. He has not. And asks, you know, about art. He can give him the skinny and on any art book that has ever been written. Michelangelo, his life's work, his aspirations, him and the Pope, his sexual orientations, the whole works. But Will can't tell him what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. Will has never stood there and looked at that beautiful ceiling. You can't wake up and tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and just feel truly happy. He's, Will is a tough kid. He can talk about war. But he's never been in war. He has never been there holding his best friend's head in his lap, watching him gasp for his last breath, looking up to you for help. And love, he can probably talk and quote sonnets. But he's never looked at a woman and felt totally vulnerable, known someone that could level you with her eyes, like God put an angel on earth just so, just for you to be raised from the depths of hell, to be her angel along with her when she got sick, her fight of cancer, sleeping, sitting up in a hotel hospital for two months holding her hand because doctors could see in your eyes that visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know what real loss is and you only know that when you love something more than you love yourself. Looking at Will, he doesn't see an intelligent, confident man. Instead, he sees a scared, shitless kid. But you're a genius. Nobody can know the depths of you. But you assume everything about me because you saw a painting of mine. You ripped my life apart. He asks Will if he's an orphan. Sean knows that he's an orphan. And then he says, do you think I know the first thing about your life, how hard it's been, and how you feel or who you are because I've read Oliver Twist. Sean says, I can't learn anything from you I can't read in a book unless you want to talk about you, who you are, and Sean is fascinated in who Will is, but realizes that Will doesn't want to because he is terrified of what he might say. That's the whole scene. Let's go back to the beginning of it. 
We'll work our way through dissecting it. So beautiful. Such a beautiful scene. Again, I cannot do that scene justice. Please, if you don't know the scene and you haven't seen it, pause this video. It'll still be there. Or if you're listening on Spotify or whatever, just pause the podcast. Go to YouTube. And watch Just watch this scene. All you have to probably do is type in Goodwill Hunting Bench Scene. It'll probably come up. Yeah. Watch the scene. Come back. Here we go. So, we'll start with him being up all night at the beginning. I love that. I love that he was willing to say, you ripped my life apart. Mm. Like, what you said hurt me. Yeah. And he told him that to his face. You hurt me. I had to think about it. But then also he, after he realizes it, he, he's come to that piece he can then move on. Yeah. Right? So, like, that made sense. But I loved that Sean didn't just ju try to justify what... No, no. Well, he's just thinking back to, like, the first time he met Sean when he talks about truth. It's like, if he's going... And this is, what, this is why this scene is such an important <coughs> breakthrough, is if he is going to be... If he's going to get any truth from Will, then he has to be truthful to to will it as well and show a little piece of himself and I, I don't think it's more than he should like it's, it's literally like it's, it's, it's his entire life story in a what two and a half minute monologue yeah and it's just yeah like it's incredible yeah I mean you do pretty much get his whole life story because you know as he said Sean's a kid he doesn't know anything he hasn't been out there the way he talked about the Sistine Chapel made me think like he knows he's been in the Sistine Chapel he has smelled that Painting. Yeah, I, think I, I mean, I've never been there. It, it's, it's one of them that, like, yeah. this guy's lived a lie. Like, it, 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 like, and it's, like you said, you said he's happy, like, he's not, he's not bothered about the academic, like, the academic achievement, he's not bothered. He's lived his life and he's gone through amazing experience and terrible experiences as well. And, like, I think this is also what he's trying to put across to him. It's like, there's more to life than just being smart. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more it's like and that's what I think this scene does so well is that it shows okay like hey these are life experiences mm. you're still very young and I think what this scene does very well is not only Sean opening up to Will and building that trust but also on the flip side you have Will who doesn't speak at all in this scene other than like a random nope here or there mm. Um, but he doesn't really speak in the scene, and it's just, you can tell that Will is really hearing this, yeah. and understanding, like, okay, like, nah, this guy has lived a life, and he's not trying to put me down, he's just trying to say, like, you don't know everything, don't act like you know everything. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like experience beats knowledge every time. Yeah. Every time. But... Yeah, I mean, it was just such a powerful scene. Again, like, I, I don't really know what more we can say about it other than it's a beautiful monologue. It helps him. It lets Sean open up. It really shows the vulnerability of Sean. And it's also, as well, like, in the movie, it's the turning point of their relationship. It is. Like, this is where he actually starts to commit. Like, Will starts to commit to therapy, to Sean, and he actually starts talking about himself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an interesting way as well of that flip because 
you know, that shift happens, and you slowly start to see this shift happen. It, again, doesn't happen overnight, but it happens in time, um, which we will get to very shortly. But this is, like you were saying, that, that moment that he realizes, if this guy is willing to be this open with me, I, I have to be open with him. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what he has realized. He doesn't want to accept it. But he's realized it. Mm. And on that note, we'll take a quick break for an intermission and we'll come right back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the intermission. I hope you're all enjoying this episode of Post Finale as Dane and I continue talking about the film and everything that has to do with the film up until where we are. Just a couple of quick housekeeping things. If you are enjoying the content, uh, give us a follow, leave a like, a rating, a review on whatever podcast app you're using. Subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. It really does help us out more than you think. It really does. So thank you so much to anyone who has done this, anyone who will do this in the future. It really, really does mean a lot. And if you're looking for other ways to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash coopforge. The link is also down in the episode description. But signing up for any of the tiers, you get different types of bonus content based on what tier. You get a shout out, you get access to notes, bonus audio, some bonus videos that are coming down the line, different things like that. And you also get early access. So if you don't necessarily want to wait a whole week, there is a chance that the next week's episode is already up. We usually try to get it up a week early up on Patreon. So be sure if you want to just know what's happening earlier, be sure to head over to Patreon. We try to get everything up a week early. Sometimes it's a couple days here and there, but usually everything's there and it's ad free. You don't have the intermission, nothing like that. So if that sounds like something that you're interested in, head over to that. And it really does help us out. And thank you all, everyone so much. And if you want to help out in a non-monetary way, that's great as well. Word of mouth is the best way to help grow the show. It really does help more than one thinks that it does. So just tell a friend about the show, reach out and be like, hey, there's this actor who's watching films for the first time and it's funny and silly and he notices weird things. It really, really does help out and it really does mean the world to me. So thank you again to everyone who has done this. Talk about us on social media. You can find us at Co-op Forge. So that is C-O underscore O-P-F-O-R-G-E for at Co-op Forge on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok and you can also find the show itself, just Post Finale, at Post Finale Pod on any of those platforms as well. I'm going to try to start being a bit more active on social media now that we have reels and things. So, you know, I'm going to get better at it as we go. So thanks for the support. And hopefully we can come up with some fun content that we can put onto the social media as well. But it really does mean a lot. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and be sure to join us next week because we are continuing to talk about Goodwill Hunting but have a new guest. But before we get to that, we have to finish this episode off. So let's get back to my conversation with Dane about the rest of the first half of this wonderful film. So... We then see a bit of a montage, and we see Chuck picking them up, he's working at a construction site. Will calls Skyler, but doesn't say anything. Skyler assumes it's Professor Valenti. Valenti, I don't know who you are, but stop calling students phone numbers at home. It's kind of f***ed up. So, Sean doesn't let Will smoke in their sessions now. 
And Will is just sitting there being silent. They both are. The clock shows 4.17, so it's been a while. They sat there for the whole hour, apparently. Will didn't speak. And Sean says that he just counted the seconds, and it was honestly pretty impressive. And it was to prove that he doesn't have to talk to Sean unless he wants to. Mm -hmm. And Lambo asks if it's a staring contest between two kids from the old neighborhood. And I love Sean's response. He's just like, that's exactly what it is. But I can't talk first. Yeah. He's done his speech. Yeah, he's just, he's just waiting for him to yeah. open up. And... He's done his speech. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's given his exchange of trust. So he just needs to talk. Yeah, for sure. So, the professors are then arguing about something Will proved. And Will wrote it down and explains that it's simpler. This shuts up the professor that didn't want to listen, that Will knew what he was talking about. The glasses professor has to kind of calm him down a bit and like kind of try to smooth everything over um, by saying, you know, sometimes people get lucky. No, they don't. Will's just incredibly smart. Shut up. <laughs> Again, I don't like I don't like I don't like him. Yeah. I don't know why. Completely agree. Hey, whoever the actor is, great job. Don't like the character. Uh, yeah, it's, I think this is the this is the point where he starts to realise that he just doesn't want to be there. <laughs> the glasses professor. No, no, Will. Oh, Will. Like this is like it's it, it's one of them, like, to them. It's like this is life's work. This is incredible. But Tim is just easy. Yeah, Tim is just like what it is pretty straightforward. Hmm. But I think like Lambo is on his side though of like a little bit where yeah. Lam Lambo is like. Look, the kid knows what he's doing. He doesn't try to deny that the kid knows what he's doing. Yeah. So, I did appreciate that. Like, he's not trying to say, like, no, you don't know anything just because you're a student. He, he's just like, no, like, you're incredibly smart. Come on. So, yeah. We're back in therapy. Sean's whistling now. Will is sitting. Sean starts to nod off, and then Will starts to tell the joke. I shall tell the joke. It's a bad joke. <laughs> <coughs> Here we go. So... Once I was on a plane, and the pilot comes on, he does his whole announcement thing, and then he forgets to turn off his mic, and the pilot turns to the co-pilot and says, hey, you want to know what I want right now? A job and a coffee. <laughs> then you see the stewardess running up to the front from the back of the plane to tell the pilot that the mic is off, and someone from the back yells, hey, hun, don't forget the coffee. <laughs> it is such a magic. It is brilliant. <laughs> Yeah! It's such a random way to just break the tension. Also, like, that is the first thing that this man has said in at least one and a half sessions. Yeah. <laughs> he just comes out with that. I mean, Sean laughs. Sean does oh, yeah, laugh. Yeah. Like, Sean laughs at the joke. And then Sean asks Will, have you ever been on a plane? And he's like, nah, but it's a joke. It works better if I tell it in the first person. <laughs> Sean's like, true, true. And then Will just goes, by the way, I have been laid, and Sean's like, good for you. <laughs> Again, this is a very weird start to this conversation, yeah. but I'm here for it. Sean then starts to talk about the date, and, er, sorry, Will starts to talk about the date, and then Sean's asked, hey, are you going to go out again? Will says, I don't know. Sean's like, why not? Will's like, I haven't called her, and Sean's just like, Christ, you're an amateur. No, I'm not a genius, and by all means, I'm, like, very single, but, um, I'm pretty sure if you like a girl, you're supposed to call her? Yeah, but I also think as well it shows, like, Will's fear of rejection. Yeah, 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 no, we, we get to that, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just talking about this. But yeah, no, it, it, yeah, we've seen how well the date's gone, like... It, it was a great date. Call the girl. Yeah, look, she messed around, 
played along with your terrible caramel mm-hmm. magic trick, kissed you with burger in your mouth. She seems into you, dude. Yeah. I mean, if she much like, she matches the like, <coughs> and she understands your intellectual level. Yeah, she matches the weirdness. That's always a good thing. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Will says that he knows what he's doing. Don't worry about it. And that the girl is beautiful, smart, fun. She's different than any other girl that he's been with. So Sean's like, call her. <laughs> Will's like, no, I can't. Like, you know, what if she isn't smart? If she's perfect right now, I don't want to ruin that. And then Sean's like, well, maybe you're perfect right now. And maybe you don't want to ruin that. And it's just like, you know, hey, you have a great philosophy though, Sean. Because this way, you can go through life without ever knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. Which is... Um, again, just a beautiful thing, a beautiful quote right there, where it's like, yeah, like unless you open yourself up and let yourself be vulnerable, yeah, you, you will never have deep connections yeah. with other people. So, yeah. Sean begins to open up and tells him about his wife and how she used to fart in her sleep when she was nervous. One night, it was so loud that it woke up the dog. She also woke up herself and... She was like, oh, wait, like, was this me? And he was just like, no, no, no. He didn't have the heart to tell her. Do you want to know something beautiful about that scene? I always want to know something beautiful about every scene. So, you know how, like, both of them by the end of that scene are in complete hysterics? Yeah. Like, Matt Damon's crying. It's... Laughter. That scene was completely improvised. The entire scene? That in- well, not ent- but that entire story. The farting story. Yeah, 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 completely improvised. <laughs> like, so, when he's... When Will is crying laugh, laughing that's my day of crying laughing because they just they didn't expect it that's fantastic which makes that seem so much more beautiful I love it like he just kind of, and as well how much of a comedic genius Robin Williams is yeah but like yeah he just comes out of it and it's just it, and they kept it because it just worked so well yeah I mean it really does and you know because then I'm assuming if that story is you know improvised mm-hmm. But it, it fits very well with what I'm assuming is not improvised, which is what he says after they finish laughing. Yeah. Um, and then he says that, you know, she's been dead for two years and that's what I remember. Wonderful stuff. It's the little things. Those are the things that he misses the most. The idiosyncrasies. Only things that he knew and that's why she was his wife. And she knew his idiosyncrasies as well. I think, like, even taking away from the film, the people that you remember in your life, like... Like, when you talk to, like, parents or grandparents and you're like, oh, and, like, what partners have died or whatever, or even, like, in your own, your own relationships and a partner has left or something like that, the things you remember are the silly, stupid things. Oh, yeah. Like, they're the little bit, like, the, the parts that you see of someone that no one else sees, that's what makes a connection amazing. Exactly. Um, and that's, like, again, the key part of this scene is he's trying to get that across. It's like, you're seeing that in this girl, mm-hmm. not trying to, so don't be scared for her to see the same things. Exactly, like, I think he's just trying to say, don't be scared. And he, he says this, is that people call them imperfections, but they aren't. We get to choose who we let into our weird little wor- worlds, and here's a secret. You're not perfect, and neither is the girl that you met. Maybe you're perfect for each other. That's the whole deal, what intimacy is all about. And it's true, nobody's perfect. No. But you can be perfect for each other. Yeah. Like, you just match yeah. each of his vibes. Vibes are immaculate. Yeah, immediately. Wonderful. That's what I get, it's like, like, in real life, when people are like, 
um, some people are like, oh, I've known this per I've met up with this person X amount of times, and I'm like, and they're like, this matches, this matches, like, wanting to go forward, and you've got people who've been like, why though? Like, that's so soon, that's so sudden. It's like, yeah, but you have no idea what these two people behind closed doors are like. Yeah, definitely. So, you'll know only by giving it a shot, not learning it from an old fucker like me, and if I did tell you, if I did know, I wouldn't tell a pissant like you. Great line. Fantastic line. Well done. No notes. Will says that he... Will says you talk more than any other shrink that I've met, and Sean says he teaches it. He never said he knew anything about how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great, because like he is incredibly good at being a therapist, mm. but he does it in such a way that it doesn't make you feel like you're sitting in therapy. Yeah. It's cracking jokes with you. Let's think, uh, again, another thing that I really like what this film does is when it does have like a hard-hitting moment like that, it's almost immediately followed by a joke. Yeah. So you're not sat there going, oh... No, I feel really like upset. And so, it's like, oh, and there's this really funny bit, and that like it's this constant back and forth between comedy and like tragedy and seriousness, which yeah. again makes that film is why this film's so good. Definitely. So Will asks if he will get remarried, but Sean says that my wife is dead, and then Will hits him with the same thing. Super philosophy. You can go through life without knowing anybody. Well done. So then Will goes off. He meets Skylar at her dorm room. Good to know that he's taking advice. Well done. She's sitting on the bed playing the piano and singing. Skylar thought he'd call, and it's all awkward. Will apologizes for blowing it, but asks if Skylar wants to give him another shot and another date. Skylar says that she can't. Will starts to leave. Skylar clarifies that she just meant not now, because, you know, she can't go right now. She has to assign the proton spectrum for the ibogamine? Ibogamine? Ibogamine. Words are hard, ladies and gentlemen. Words are hard. I write them down. I don't know necessarily what they are or how to pronounce them because I've yeah. seen them once. Random maths and science mojo that is just in there that we can understand. I, 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 I don't know what this is, but she has to assign the proton to it. No, I'm sorry, the proton spectrum to it. Um, or for it. I, I, sure. Uh, it's actually very boring despite sounding interesting. Um, sure. They agree to go out tomorrow. We're then at a coffee shop. Will finishes his homework on a napkin and then takes it straight back to her. Says I couldn't wait until tomorrow. Joking that he had to sleep with someone from her class to get it for her. And then, again, Skylar just matching his energy just goes, Well, I hope it was someone with open-toed sandals and bad breath. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just matches. Just matches the energy. Matches the energy. Matches the energy. Will says let's go have fun. And we're off. We're at the dog track. I've never been to a dog track. Have you ever been to a dog I track? We don't really have them over here. Fair. I've been to a horse track. I have not. I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. I had to go to Churchill Downs. It was very fun. We used to clean up after the derby. Boy, did we find some interesting things. <laughs> Fair, man. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. You can use your imaginations, listeners. <laughs> If you really are curious, um, it, it, you can ask me in a Q&A one day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're at the dark track. Skylar's dog is winning. Hey, look, they won. Yay. Skylar's thrilled about the win and then asks what growing up was like. Asks about brothers and sisters. Will says that he has 12 brothers and I was like, BS. But also I was like, maybe he does because these all might be stepbrothers through yeah, foster parents. Foster. 
that he has just stayed in touch with. Yeah. And, like, you know, the kids have a good rapport even if the adults didn't. Yeah. Right? So, like, I'm like, I want to call him on the BS, but it also might not It's also be. the only time this gets touched on, really. Oh, okay. I have no idea if it comes up later or not, but, like, yeah. it's the only time that I've seen it now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, um, I, again, I want to say that it that he's just lying, but he might not be. Mm. So, give him the benefit of the doubt. He then gives us the names. So, here are the names of his 12 brothers. Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. Huh? He says he lives in Southie. Uh, well, they all live in Southie, and that he lives with three of them right now. Skylar wants to meet them. This is the last we hear of that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really get back to that. Like, that was the end of the scene. Yeah, like, it doesn't get retouched on. I hope that we see any of the brothers, but based... No, no, no. no. Again, it doesn't, doesn't really spoil anything. I, I'm just sad that we don't get more of the brothers. Yeah, I think it's one of those things to mention. Again, like, again it's just like, this is backstory. It's backstory, again, it's... But also it's good because what I like and what I feel a lot of films do is when people are going on dates, I feel like a lot of films fall into the trap where the whatever is being said on the dates has to help progress the plot or something. Yeah. This film isn't trying to do that. No. Nice. This film is solely like, hey, you're on a date. We're going to have the same awkward conversations that you would have if you're on a date. Yeah. Who's your family? Where did you grow up? <laughs> like, yeah, is it like, you know, do you, you, let me guess, you wanted to get a kiss goodnight. Like, this is, this is other, like I said, this is the only scene, like, the scenes that he has with Skyler, they seem to be really see him being a normal person. No, I'm not like, but I don't, I don't feel like that's necessarily true anymore because we're starting to see him open up with, we've seen him open up with his friends. Yeah. Not to the extent that we've seen him open up with Skyler, but we have seen him open up to his friends. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think it, I think it's just him in general, in all aspects. He's just becoming more and more. He's found. He's starting to find who he wants to be. Yeah, and it, we're also seeing him grow a bit in terms of his relationship with Sean. Mm. We're seeing more of his openness coming through there. This is what I was like. Sean is probably the closest he's had to a father figure. Sean is his father oh, figure. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it's the, and it's the most support he's probably ever received from a father figure. Yeah, probably between Sean and Lambo, but we don't really see Lambo much anymore. At least to where I am right now, we don't really see Lambo mm -hmm. much outside of the academic world. Yeah. We don't see Lambo trying to help him become a better person. That's Sean. Yeah. That's Sean. So, speaking of Sean, let's go back to counseling. <laughs> We learn that Sean used to counsel veterans and that he gave up this work when his wife got sick. And Will asks if Sean wonders what life would be like if he didn't meet his wife. And Sean's like, do you mean better off? And Will does, like, feel bad. He's like, no, 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 like, that's not what I meant. And Sean's like, no, it's okay. We all have bad times, but that will always wake you up to the good stuff. Which is another just... Yeah, this, this film is just littered with just... Great quote after great quote. Great quotes. Like, yeah. Again, you can't say anything about that quote. It's just a very good quote. I'll say it once again for the listeners. But the quote was, We all have bad times, but that will always wake you up to the good stuff. I did it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm an actor. I can read lines. Woo! <laughs> so, Sean then proceeds. He does have regrets. But he doesn't regret a single day that he spent with her. 
Will asks when Sean knew she was the one. He knows the exact date. October 21st, 1975. Game six of the World Series, the biggest game in Red Sox history. Now, I know a bit about baseball, but I'm pretty sure they didn't win that World Series. Yeah, they didn't win that World Series. Steven's behind the camera, just like going off. Um, hey Steven, uh, do you just want to pop in real quick and give us a bit of context of this? Just, just pop your head over here. Um, just yeah, <laughs> go for it. Two, two people who don't know as much uh, baseball. Oh no. Um, with that. I know the set's falling apart. Now the set's falling apart. Steven's f***ed up the set. It's fine. <laughs> I'll fix it. Uh, it's, it's where the curse originated. It's the, uh, it's the Red Sox curse. No, that's not the curse. Dude, 75 wasn't the curse. They won the series in, like, 2008. No, but that's when the curse started. The curse was 86 years old in, like, 2008 or no, something. but it's one of the first times the curse was relevant again. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, right. <laughs> but, um, Do you want to go get some napkins or something from, uh, this? And, uh, we'll, 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 we'll try to continue while we, uh, you know, um, while the set falls apart. Um, <laughs> woo! Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this episode's just, uh... Whole bag of everything for you. <laughs> We've rambled, the set's falling apart, we had Steven come in for a guest appearance, it's all of them. <laughs> but we didn't lose any audio. I mean, I really hope we don't. <laughs> it's still recording. Um, ah, a towel, look at that, ladies and gentlemen. Perna, please keep all of this in, because it's chaotic and I love it. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. I'm just... Just mop that up a bit. Okay. Alright. Alright, I think, uh, I think we put the set back together almost completely. Did the lights not want to turn on? Steven? <laughs> I, I think it just the light got unplugged. Yeah, the light just got unplugged. Oh, the light got unplugged. Hold on, we're still fixing the set. It's not going well. Here we go, hold on. Oh, it's still unplugged. This is great. Dave, how are you doing? Oh, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to tell the people while we... Everything's fair. <laughs> sitting back and enjoying the <laughs> Um, Yes, but I think it was one of the... Yeah, it was one of the confirmations of the curse. Okay, so it was one of the confirmations that the curse existed. Because, okay. So, for context, ladies and gentlemen, for anyone that doesn't know baseball, the Red Sox had a curse for about 80-something years where they couldn't win a World Series. And it was bad. It was very bad. And, you know, they finally won one in, what was it, 2008? Yeah, they won in 2008, which was fantastic. However, that's nothing based on what I had to go through, which was, I'm a Cubs fan. And that's sad. <laughs> I'm you looking at I know nothing about You know nothing about baseball. Great, I'm looking at the camera. I'm a Cubs fan, ladies and gentlemen. For anyone that doesn't know this, the Cubs didn't win a World Series from 1903 to 2016. It was over a hundred years that they didn't win. Mm. They finally won. As I like to put it, we had one year of happiness, and now we're back to being bad. All right, so good will hunting. Oh, the reason why that game was so big is because it was the... Because of the home run. Well, no, because it was... Well, this game was so big. The game that he's talking about was so big because it was the first time the Red Sox had made it to the seventh game in the World Series in, in like, a long time. Uh, and they lost in the last play to the Cincinnati Reds. 
Yeah, but this was game six. Game six, they won. Game six, they won. So here's here's the story, right? Let's get through the story. So game six of the World Series is the biggest game in Red Sox history. Sean and his friends had gotten tickets, and then they walk into this bar, and they had like spent the whole night like camping out to get the tickets to the game the next morning. Yeah. And they're at the bar before the game, and the girl walks in. He then proceeds to describe the game, wildly interlude clips of this game, so like very cool cinematic thing right there. And it's very fun because, you know, pretty much what happens and what's explained is that this guy, Pudge, he comes up to the plate, he hits the ball, and it's soaring, it's soaring, and he's kind of like trying to veer the ball with his hands, with like the magic hands, even though it has no effect. But, like, you know, you try things when you're a sports person. <laughs> As a sports person, you try things. <laughs> Sometimes you hit a tennis ball and you're like, that wasn't a good shot, but, like, drop, drop, drop. Uh, it doesn't drop. <laughs> so, like, yeah. But he was trying to weird it, and, like, everyone was kind of holding their breaths. It was, like, the very end. It was pretty much a walk-off of... It was the bottom of the ninth inning, if I'm not mistaken, when this happened. So he hits it, and the crowd goes wild because it hits the foul pole, which means that it's a home run, so fantastic, and this scene is really cool, because Will and Sean are both just getting more excited, as the story progresses, they're just getting more and more excited, and I really like that, like, it was really fun to just even kind of go from mellow to, like, just, yay, yeah. like, crazy fanatic sports fans, and then the flip side to that, so... They're both up, and, you know, the fans had rushed the field, and Pudge had to, like, push the fans out of the way so that he could finish running the bases. Because in baseball, even if you've hit a home run, it doesn't count unless you run and touch all the bases. So that's why sometimes, if people are not paying attention, they will jump over home plate because they're so excited. But because they jump over home plate, they never touch home plate, and then if they get tagged by a ball, they're out. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you have to touch every single plate um, around the bases, even if you've hit a home run. But so he's pushing people out and everything. And Will's like, oh, did you rush the field? And Sean says, I don't know. I wasn't there. I was at a bar having a drink with my future wife. And Will is just stunned that he would do this. And Sean explains, no, she lit up the room. Like she, you say people light up the room, like she lit up the room. And, he, and Will's like, what type of friends did you have that they would allow you to miss this? And it was the friends that knew him when he walked over to them and was like, I'm sorry, fellas, he slid his ticket over. And was just like, I have to go see about a girl. And his friends just saw the look in his eyes, saw that he meant it. And his friends were good enough friends to be like, go. Yeah. Like, go, go take care of it. And that's why now he's not talking about how he regrets not talking to a girl at a bar he met 20 years ago. He doesn't regret the 18 years that he was married to Nancy or any of it once he was sick, or missing the game, or giving up counseling, nothing. And Will says, well, it would have been nice to catch the game, and Sean's just like, yeah, well, I didn't know that Pudge was going to hit a home run. <laughs> yeah, another funny moment after a really serious one. Yeah. But it's also, again, that's like, dissecting that, it's like, the, the, when they're talking about the game, like you said, both get really, really excited, it's like, again, another father, father-son moment. Um, but also, it's the, yeah, it's just, it is just him teaching Will that, and this is why I said it is a, in basis it is a love story um, because in the end it's like you can go off and do you can watch these amazing things you can do these amazing things but you don't have anyone to be with then what's the point yeah and that's kind of 
when this story starts to take like it is like I said it is part of a love story yeah so this is where we're gonna finish up this episode because this is all that I've seen of the film but here's what I think is happening and what I think is gonna happen is obviously most of it has stayed the same from what I said at the beginning mm -hmm. the only thing that I would add is that Skylar and Will get together Will probably picks Skylar over math but like in some way shape or form gets like some type of like better job than working a construction nine to five like he gets something in a bit more where his intellect his intellect isn't like just lost yeah. to the world so i could see him potentially becoming a professor of some sort in the future like later on i don't yeah, think yeah, like yeah. we would see that but like that's where i think like his journey kind of goes in terms of uh that he's not going to become uh, what Lambo is. Mm. Um, he's not gonna become what Jerry is. He's, he, or Gary is. He's gonna become, you know, just a guy who's just incredibly smart, but learns to love and learns to let people in and learns to be vulnerable. I still don't like Glasses Professor, and I still feel like he's around to mess some shit up. Now, I'm not here for it, but I have no idea. But yeah, Dane, thank you so much for joining. Thanks this has been an you. absolute pleasure. If people wanna find you out in the world doing different things, how can they do that? Yeah, uh, so uh, dane.dc1 on Instagram. I will be doing a panto in a couple of weeks' times. Um, I'll probably put the dates of shows that are on there um, as well. If anyone's on holiday in Cyprus, go to Pathos and go to like the Sophia Hotel out there. I'll be in performing there. In 2024, that is? Yes, I'll be there for eight months. So if anyone's got a holiday book there, you'll see me. Shoot Dane a message. Just be like, hey, I know you're from this podcast. Yeah. And like I said, hopefully I can be back on this podcast once I get back in London. Yeah, yeah. We'll, just, we'll just take a year. We'll take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here, listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, we'll catch you all later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. Post Finale is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison, and the art is by Ankit Madeira. If you would like to support the show, gain access to bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash coopforge. The link is also in the description of the episode. You can sign up for any of the tiers, and it really does help us out. All the money goes directly back into the show to help make it a better show for you, the viewers, and you get access to different types of bonus content, like notes and early access, ad-free episodes, different things like that. So if any of that sounds interesting, go head over there, and you can find more information on all of that. Also, I would just like to say if you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, that is great as well. Listening to the show is fantastic. Thank you so much for listening. And tell a friend about this show. Just reach out and be like, hey, there's this actor who is watching films for the first time. He doesn't really know what's going on and kind of guessing what's going on. Make silly jokes, silly observations. It's a good time all around. I think you would really enjoy it. Reach out to someone who loves films, someone who doesn't necessarily watch films like I do. I don't watch films, but it's a great way to get someone into films if they aren't necessarily a film buff themselves. It really, really does help. And be sure to follow us on social media at coopforge, C-O underscore O-P-F-O-R-G-E, and at postfinalepod across all the different platforms. We're on most of them. And more things will be coming out soon. We also have some exciting new projects coming out in the new year. So if you want to be the 
first people to hear about that, sign up for the Patreon, follow us on social media, all of that, because that's where we will be announcing the new projects. And until next week, when we continue talking about Goodwill Hunting, and I'm joined by a new wonderful guest, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll catch y'all later.